A warm welcome to the Luxury Property Show, your guide to luxury living. I'm your host, Star Pankosh. Now, blockchain is one of the hottest topics in the world of finance today, and it is one that is still perhaps not as widely understood in a lot of markets. In this episode, I sit down with Sonia Vendrikowitz, a fintech and digital banking expert with more than two decades of experience in both corporate and consumer banking. Uh, welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you very much for having me. And also joining me today is Lukman Shokat, uh, one of our private client advisors at LuxuryProperty.com, who is a bit of a financial whiz himself uh, with a background in economics uh, from Toronto. So welcome, Lukman. Thank you for having me. And Lukman, of course, uh, will, will kind of be helping me out with this podcast as uh, finance is not one of my strongest subjects. So just to just kind of help a bit with the jargon and, and the lingo. Now, Sonia, um, you have, uh, again, you have quite an extensive background and uh, over the course of your career, I'm sure you've seen uh, the banking industry go through quite a few changes. So I guess, first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your background? Well, I started uh, 25 years ago in Citibank right. in Poland, where I spent 18 years out of wow. which 12 years I spent on the corporate side and the last mm -hmm. six years I was heading the consumer bank in Poland for Citi. Okay. Interestingly, um, starting from the very early days, because Poland at that time was just starting the banking infrastructure and the banking system just post the communist times. Okay, right. Citibank was one of the banks that introduced a lot of new products uh, to the Polish market. And we were lucky, we never had checks. We actually started with the digital products based on cards. I okay. was the one who was introducing debit cards, prepaid cards, also a thing which at that time was called electronic banking. Mm -hmm. Internet was not that uh, popular in those days. So what the customers were doing, they were actually using modem in order to dial up and send the files to the bank. Oh, wow. So my digital banking experience starts in the early days. Right. It continued um, with uh, City Direct, which was the first and the biggest internet banking platform for the corporate customers. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, the mobile applications um, in Poland, then in Malaysia. And then when I moved to Singapore uh, to join the biggest bank there called DBS Bank, okay. I was responsible for designing, developing and implementing a digital only bank, oh, wow. which was delivered as a mobile application only. It had no branches, no contact center, no operations. And yet this bank, which we delivered with the team in seven months, was named by Euromoney to be the best digital bank in the world. Wow, that is incredible. And what has, uh, what has the experience been like uh, watching kind of the world of digital banking evolve uh, over the decades? It was interesting because I think the biggest change has happened in the last seven years which mm -hmm. coincides with the time i left my own country and i went to asia and then right. i moved to united states and now i'm moving to dubai uh, there was fledgling right. at the time i was leaving poland and i mm -hmm. think the big contribution to digital banking and proliferation of digital platforms and the whole transformation have both the indian uh, market as well as the chinese market right. each of them in a very different way india is a market leader as far as interbank settlements are concerned, all mm -hmm. set up by the government with the excellent system of UPI. The other, which is the biometric ID, 
powered solutions, which we also used as our Digibank was first launched in India and right. then in Indonesia. So we used the biometric verification so that we didn't mm. need to have branches and okay. we've never seen our customers. But yet we managed to um, have about 2 million customers in less than 18 months because we put our biometric devices at the equivalent of a Starbucks in India called <laughs> Cafe Coffee Day. Okay. So that was, that was the thing that I have seen progressing very much. And of course, in China, the banks, mm -hmm. the traditional banks do not service the customers anymore for their daily transactions. The customers are using WeChat and Alipay. Ah, uh -huh, right, of course. Now, uh, I guess, uh, as you've mentioned, that you are moving to Dubai now, uh, be settling in. Uh, why, why Dubai, I guess? What, what makes this the right city for you at this point? You are not the first person that is asking me this question, as you could imagine. Everybody that I spoke with uh, has asked me the same. Well, I guess working in Europe, in Asia for six years and about 18 months in the United States, mm -hmm. I thought this is one of the markets that I really would like to explore, as yeah. I've never worked here. And I'm usually very much driven by learning and new experiences, meeting new people and being exposed to new cultures. So that was a big right. thing. On the other hand, being now an expert, if I can say so, in digital banking and digital and uh, transformation, mm -hmm. I thought that there is a big opportunity here. And not only the opportunity, but also a lot of willingness to actually listen to the experts and wanting right. to transform into a much modern way of doing things. So unlike United States, which is mm -hmm. still very much, I would say, behind, but it's quite comfortable <laughs> with that state. Right. I have a feeling that Dubai is really pushing in order to become modern, like the Asian countries are leading the way. So with regards to that, I have a question. Um, having, having been in Dubai for the past 14 months or so, mm -hmm. um, my question is to do with adoption. Um, in, in my opinion, and, and obviously that is, you know, not one of the most informed ones. Dubai seems to be an immature market when it comes to fintech adoption. Um, just wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on that? I think um, it's, a, it's a fair point, but at the same time, I wouldn't be bothered by that, Lukman, because I believe mm -hmm. that once the banks, financial institutions, telecoms, retail, and others, they realize the need to speed up the digital transformation, they will realize that it's so much easier for them to adopt the fintech solutions the way they are rather than doing them on them, their own and that right. market will grow by itself. I have recently met um, with Raja Al-Mazroui who is heading the DIFC uh, fintech hive where they're actually grooming uh, quite a few of the fintech companies and mm -hmm. they're actually helping them out with mentoring and other support to find themselves in that market. I've seen the same in Singapore a few years back, and now this is one of the worldwide um, centers of uh, fintech innovation. So I think it's coming, it's coming. I think it's also a play between a supply and demand. Right. And I think the demand will drive the, the supply and more and more people would be coming here to set up their companies. One thing I need to tell you, being a Polish person, I know that uh, <laughs> Uh, the Dubai, uh, one of the government agencies have signed with the Polish solution called Blik, uh, which okay. is a contactless um, type of payment that is uh, going to be licensed to many companies here in Dubai. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Excellent. Oh wow, that's that, that is fantastic. Um, now, now it seems like there is there is a lot of room to grow uh, in terms of digital banking in the region. Um, but as you said, the, there is also a lot of willingness to kind of move forward. Is this perhaps in line with the experience that you've seen in many other places? As you said, in the U.S., there's still still very comfortable. Look, man, I don't know how how things are up in Canada. Are they still pretty complacent? No, I think I think the fintech revolution came to Canada a, a while ago. Um, my experience in Canada was uh, was wonderful in this space. It's very progressive. There is a lot of uh, you know shows going on, a lot of exhibitions, a lot of talent hunts. Um, so, it, which is why I consider Dubai to be a slightly immature market mm-hmm. because uh, coming from Toronto, where 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 it's a craze, um, it is the future. It's, in fact, it's most probably the present at this point. Um, and I don't quite see that currently in the mm-hmm. Bible, obviously. Sonia would know more about that than I. Right. Um, if we look at uh, kind of the larger Middle East region, um, how do you think Dubai is positioned there in terms of digital banking? Is it kind of at the forefront at the moment, or, or do you think it has some catching up to do? I have a feeling that it has um, had an interesting initial start. Um, Mm -hmm. I think with the few digital-only banks uh, being launched by the incumbent banks, plus a few others that I know of that are just about to launch, I think that the future, and especially next year, I think (laughs) it's going to be interesting. Um, Having said that, from what I already know about the future um, endeavors that I'm going to be involved in and the projects that I'm going to work on, I have a feeling that the neighboring countries are very uh-huh. fast followers. So okay. um, there is a lot of also realization that the traditional source of wealth of that region right. is currently changing because of the sustainability, mm-hmm. climate change, and a lot of other forces that are making people believe that they should look at other sources of income right. as well mm-hmm. and look at the technology powering the new business solutions. So I think we are in a very interesting time right now, just at the edge of a big revolution Mm -hmm. um, regarding not only digital banking, but digital transformation, including um, cryptocurrencies, uh, new technologies coming, AI, machine learning, and many others. And uh, speaking of that, I think now now it's probably a good time to talk about blockchain, which is, uh, of course, one of the major buzzwords in the region of late, um, and one that a lot of people still have so many questions about. Um, I guess in the simplest possible terms, how would you define blockchain? I found this very interesting and simple uh, definition mm-hmm. actually in the Google. Google is my assistant <laughs> in everything I do, uh, which is that blockchain is um, a growing list of records that are linked using cryptography. So it's okay. quite an, a simple thing. Each block contains a cryptographic hash of the previous block. So they are linked with each other, but um, they actually carry the story of each other regarding the timestamp and the transaction data. And because of that, the blockchain is immutable. That means that you cannot change it. Some people say it's good. Some people Mm -hmm. say it's not that good because sometimes you create something that you would like to destroy. It's not possible with blockchains. (laughs) I was thinking about that a little bit, that blockchain can be compared to our DNA, but actually it cannot. So on one hand, 
We are carrying the history of our ancestors in our DNA from the very beginning. Sure. But because of the mutation, we are mm. different than the animals. So that's right. actually not a good blockchain thing, but it has a little bit of analogy that I can bring. The best analogy I've ever heard, and I wanted to bring it up for <laughs> people to understand better, is comparing blockchain to a check. Okay. When you draw a check and then you actually give it to somebody else and you say to the order of, and then you sign at the back. Mm -hmm. And there is the whole history of how the check changes the hands. And it's all there on the check. It's right. a little bit like a blockchain in a paper form. Because every in the blockchain, every next block carries the history mm -hmm. of who has started it and then who gave it to the next one. Yes. Okay. So yeah. I was thinking, and then finally it goes back to the bank and it gets encashed. So it's a little bit, um, I think, a good analogy of how blockchain works. I think it can be used in the primary school <laughs> for the kids <laughs> to understand. Basically, my family uh, was very happy when I explained them this in this way. And I think for the listeners to our right. podcast, I think that maybe something that will be a little bit of eye-opening. Yes, I certainly hope so. Thank you. Um, thank you for that. Any any thoughts on your end, Lukman, and um, how you would put blockchain? I, no, I, I, I pretty much agree. I mean, right? It's definitive. Um, that that blockchain does carry transaction history. Um, something that I really, really like about uh, blockchain and more specifically cryptocurrencies is mm -hmm. that with a check, you carry a transaction record that can be traced to the issuer. Right. However, with cryptocurrencies generally, I know, I know there are some that uh, attempt to identify uh, where, where the where the coin, so to speak, is coming from or where the block is being fulfilled. Um, to me, the anonymity of blockchain is, is a crucial component. And mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate that. Um, like Sonia said, sometimes you create something that you'd rather destroy. Right. Um, but that is inevitable. I think everything, every technology has its pros and cons. Um, but anonymity is a big part of cryptocurrencies for me. That's the only thing I, need, I wanted to add there. Um, right. And, and speaking of cryptocurrencies, now how, I guess, how does a cryptocurrency differ from just having funds stored electronically? Or is it analogous? There's a lot of different kinds of cryptocurrency. And that's why I think the answer to that question is not that straightforward. For okay. myself, I'm not a very big fan of Bitcoin as such, but mm -hmm. I am quite a fan of stable coins that are backed up by something. They can be either backed up by a currency of a given country, which is being governed by the, by the government and the central bank. Mm -hmm. I'm quite a fan of uh, cryptocurrencies, but they are backed by the natural resources of okay. certain goods like diamonds or gold. I think uh, this way of introducing cryptocurrency is actually making the exchange of um, value Mm -hmm. much easier and much more convenient. Right. I have heard about cases of people carrying two tons of gold and uh, being <laughs> uh, willing to move it from one country to another. As you could imagine, it's not that easy. <laughs> right. But once you issue a cryptocurrency that is backed by the same gold mm -hmm. and is being secured and is being certified by right. a trusted party that the gold is actually there, mm -hmm. it's a very different thing. I have seen recently a few governments, some of the emerging markets, that want to issue their cryptocurrencies back by, by their natural resources. 
So that's another thing that I'm a very big fan of. So as you could see, there's a lot of variations of that. Right. Um, I just want to add, uh, Sonia and I may disagree on this. I, I, I don't uh, <laughs> All right. really believe Great. Disagreements are always, always good listening. I love it. Listening. I love it. I think so disagreement is yeah. what makes the world interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm very much a proponent of uh, free-floating coins. I, I don't okay. coins. I, I don't believe in stable coins. I think that um, they defeat the purpose. I don't believe in centralization, and that's what uh, a backed-up coin leads to. Now, if I could, if I could jump in for just one second, what exactly is a a, a free flowing currency? Well, basically, it, it, it uh, ebbs and flows as per supply and demand. Right, uh, but I guess because ultimately, what I would get to is what then gives that value if it's not backed up by the same thing that gives cash value is a medium of exchange mm -hmm. because you and I adopt it. Right, that's what gives Bitcoin its value. Currently, it's been it's been utilized in. Um, from an investment standpoint, like people okay. buying it, speculating, a huge portion of the market is, you know, just filled with speculators. Um, but but in its purest form, or, mm -hmm. or if there could be a cryptocurrency that could achieve this, and I know it's very idealistic, um, <laughs> that could achieve almost global adoption, mm -hmm. as well as be free floating, um, you know, priced as per what you and I and seven billion other people agree on. I think that is the way to go because I'm not a big fan of central banks <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of centralization. However, what Sonia and I can agree on uh -huh. is the fact that cryptocurrencies, blockchain, fintech, digital banking, all of these things mm -hmm. will allow the free flow of capital. It will remove barriers to the flow of capital from, sure. um, from country to country, from, uh, from areas to areas where, where capital is needed, where investment is needed it can flow a lot more easily. How governments see that is a completely different discussion. We need our own <laughs> That's actually um, a, a different question that I think I might jump into. But uh, before we get to that, of course, there is there is a question of security. Um, so, of course, cryptocurrency is said to be you know one of the most secure forms of payment uh, that, that, that you can be involved in. How secure is it really? Is there any danger of someone just you know, hacking it and you losing everything that you've got. Of course, that that uh, security risk is always there. Um, mm -hmm. But there are ways to bypass that. Like, for example, okay. if you have a credit card or a debit card, it's in your wallet. Right. You can do the same thing for cryptocurrencies. There are hardware wallets where you can take it off the internet. Or there are also software wallets that, that uh, provide high-level security through encryption. But if you have it on your hardware wallet, nobody can hack into that essentially okay it's not on the network um so in that sense yes it is secure but if you have all your uh bitcoin or ethereum or ripple on an exchange and that exchange the website gets gets attacked and hacked right there are many examples of a lot of like 90 million dollars worth of bitcoin disappearing even more than that in fact um Currently, we have the one coin scandal going on as well, but I think that <laughs> lady just absconded with it. But anyway, so it, it's a give and take. Um, Sonia, what do you think about that? So I would add a little bit uh, to what you just said. I mm -hmm. believe that Bitcoin, with all its benefits, it also has a little bit of a drawback. Mm -hmm. When the hash is um, very complicated and long, and therefore the crypto is very strong, it actually takes quite a lot of time to add another block. So it's not right. very usable for certain types of transactions. Like for example, if you want to buy 
uh, and pay for the stock at the exchange and the prices are changing by second mm. it's not a very big good thing to do so okay. certain people make a little bit of a compromise to to shorten the hash and therefore it exposes it to more possibility to be hacked and right. um, and the thing that Lukman has said and somebody told me in a very straightforward way the best thing is to keep your private key in your wallet mm. on a piece of paper is very true on the other hand, um, there's a big discussion of what will quantum computing do to Bitcoin. It's another very interesting conversation. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so um, I, I just was discussing with someone the other day, and I said, that, you know, in case the quantum computing comes, uh, the whole hashtags are gone. And somebody told me, well, it's if the quantum computing can actually hack it, the quantum computing could be also able to make it much more secure at the same time. Exactly. So I love that. I love that thing. The other thing that I believe is uh, we are going to depart from the pure length of the crypto code mm -hmm. um, to be the major way of securing the blocks. Okay. I think over time we would be going into something which is a little bit more similar to biometrics where your face and every feature of it, for example, is not fully stored on the other side, like the card numbers, the CVV and the pins, oh, yeah. but it's actually a part of it that only matched with the person can open the door. So I think we are going into that direction at the same time while the, the quantum computing is progressing. Kind of keeping in line with that that high level of security, that high level of, uh, of cryptography to, to protect your assets. Um, I guess to go back to a topic that Lokman brought up of how the government would see that, you know, if people, you know, who have assets that might not be above board, then they'll be able to protect it and keep it hidden from the government. How do you see that playing out? Well, I think we spoke a lot about uh, using blockchain in order to create and issue cryptocurrencies. I think mm -hmm. one thing that the governments are going to be very much um, in favor of is using blockchain for other things like for okay. example creating an immutable digital identity on blockchain that's something that would be fantastic the mm -hmm. other thing is creating your medical records on of blockchain mm -hmm. i'm changed four five countries in the last uh, seven years for me right. it's very difficult to go to the doctor and have all my medical records with me if sure. i could access yeah. it this way mm -hmm. the other thing we are just signing um, an agreement today for the rental, yes. but there's a lot also that are being signed for the change of the ownership. Imagine if all the property deeds are there on the blockchain, how much time, money and effort we would save. We would have saved a lot of money. <laughs> we would have been wrapped up by Amazing, now. yes. <laughs> so these are some of those great examples of how blockchain can be pro proliferated much more into other ways and other aspects of our life mm -hmm. in order to make it much easier. I think everybody is excited about the block, the, the cryptocurrencies right. and blockchain being a, uh, backing it up. But I think there is a lot of very um, practical implementation of blockchain that will be coming in the next couple of months and years. All right, uh, Lukman, your thoughts on that? Well, I, I agree entirely with that. Blockchain, if uh, it is definitely the future, the technology is here to stay. Right. Um, we can only build on it and mm -hmm. make it better um, and the people that can do that are hopefully doing it as we speak. Um, coming back to your question on disrupt disruption and um, 
and people hiding their assets. Right. Um, not to focus on that for too long, mm-hmm. but those people are already hiding their assets. Those <laughs> assets are already below board, and governments have no way or are unwilling to to uh, you know hold those people accountable or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. So, does it make it easier for them? Yes, but it's already easy for them. <laughs> Uh, but that enough. then becomes a philosophical debate. And, uh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Right. Um, now, of course, in Dubai, cryptocurrency has been uh, quite a it's, a... it's a complicated issue. Um, we've had all sorts of headlines popping up about advances in cryptocurrency that are then kind of rolled back. Uh, so one that I was reading um, just earlier um, was that in March... Uh, the first Bitcoin ATM was installed uh, in Dubai. In um, I, I believe it was um, uh, possibly on the Palm, where they installed the first ATM. But then within days, um, it was removed, and then you know the owner got into a lot of trouble. Uh, so where where do we really go from here in terms of advancing, um, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrency in the city? Well, that's not just uh, that's not a case that's specific to Dubai. Um, okay. Bitcoin has a lot of issues, right? Um, you know, the least of which is any sort of asset, any sort of income can be flipped into Bitcoin, transferred anywhere in the world within 14 to 15 minutes. I believe there are faster ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other other cryptocurrencies, you know, they can process a lot more transactions per second. However, Bitcoin is the most heavily adopted one currently. Right. Um, so I, I feel like that removal of that ATM was as a result of, uh, of of that becoming a lot more feasible for for people to move that capital without government oversight. That is a problem. Right. That will continue to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, where do we go from here? I'm not quite sure. Because uh, ideally, <laughs> <laughs> ideally, I would like. Uh, I would like to see it maybe regulated a little bit, uh, regulated to the extent where, where people become comfortable with it, where it becomes adopted, where you're able to buy a croissant at the supermarket with it. Right. Uh, however, I think we're, we're a fair way away from that, and I don't think Bitcoin will be the cryptocurrency to get us there. All right, and Sonia, for you, um, you know, uh, Blockchain, yes, it is. Um, it is considered a bit of a disruptor in in the world of finance and, and banking. But you know, there are so many processes, there are so many structures that have been in place for several decades. And you know, as much as people want to change, a lot of times they're hesitant to just because you know it's easier to do it the way they've always done it. How much work do you think there is to do? And do you think there is maybe a, a rough timeline of when blockchain will become more widely adopted in the region? I think it's a it's a good question to which I do not see an answer. I would even mm-hmm. say that there might be something new coming before even blockchain is adopted. Because when I look okay. at the last couple of years, the change has been such that it's actually mind-blowing. And... Uh, <laughs> I always say that we are in a constant environment of producing a technical debt because mm-hmm. whatever we do today on the technologies that exist today, it's obsolete tomorrow. True. So I would True. believe that the train, in my opinion, of uh, cryptocurrencies and the blockchain has left the station 
However, mm-hmm. the new technologies, including 5G, quantum computing, and others, are going uh, did not say the last word regarding right. how it's going to develop. So I always say that the things that we do, the what has not changed, the how is constantly changing. Because right. when you think about blockchain, it's just another way of exchanging value. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, and I know that Lukman is not a very big fan of that, but there will be a certain market for the stable coins that are backed by gold or diamonds and other things. And when sure. you think about that, that actually brings us back to the barter economy where goods were mm. exchanged yeah. for goods. Yeah. So there will be a fair um, share in the future of uh, all those different cryptocurrencies that are backed by different things that people based on trust would be prepared to accept. It's a little bit like some people are not willing to accept certain currencies of certain countries. Like sure, yeah. my country, Poland, mm-hmm. for many years, people would not like to take any payments in my, in my currency. We're a communist country. <laughs> Nobody trusted us. Everybody wanted US dollars or mm-hmm. Swiss francs. And actually, I think the same will happen with cryptocurrencies. Certain people would be more willing to take the risk or be more comfortable with taking some of the cryptocurrencies that are based on trust than anything else. And some people would really want to go for something that is backed up by sure. some real mm-hmm. value. Right. Any final thoughts, Lukman? I have so many. Within our type constraints. But I'm just going to... There's, there's something a friend of mine told me uh-huh. uh, a long time ago. Um, I believe I believe we were in our third year of university at the time, and uh, it, you know it, it's linked with what Sonia said. He basically said that we as humans are in a on a constant trip. Uh-huh. We just keep changing the procedures to accomplish the same tasks a little bit more efficiently. Where that takes uh-huh. us. I have no idea, but uh, <laughs> I'm fairly certain there are going to be exciting times ahead. Yes, it certainly sounds like it, and uh, it will be interesting to see over the next few years how how digital banking uh, continues to develop and and where we can where we can actually take it. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Sonia. I do appreciate your time and and your expertise uh, in this matter, and thank you as well for your help and your thoughts, Lukman. This has been. Uh, Quite, it's been it's been a more fascinating discussion than even I would have thought it would be. So I, I do appreciate that. Um, but before I let you go, Sonia, uh, there is a little quick fire Q and A session that I do with all my guests. So you ready for that? Yes, I am. All right. Unfortunately, uh, Lukman, uh, <laughs> this would be no for Sonia only. So okay. we'll <laughs> we find that. All right. Um, your favorite cuisine? Mediterranean. Ah, lovely, <laughs> lovely choice. Uh, so any, like, Greek, Italian, anything? Yes, that anything sort? around the, the Lebanese, by the way. Ah, Lebanese, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, a favorite book of yours? I'd be surprised. Actually, <laughs> the favorite book is Shantaram, which oh, is really? about India and the, and okay. the mountain shadow. The two uh-huh. books, each of them 1,000 pages long. I just love them. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, now, of course, you've already, you know, signed your agreement for your new Dubai home but let's say if you had an unlimited budget and you could live in any area of Dubai at all um, which would you choose well I'll probably choose what I chose <laughs> it's not Fair because enough. I have an unlimited budget but um, I'm looking for convenience and mm-hmm. uh, I love the place um, which is uh, Marina that I chose 
but ah, I yes. tell you, uh, I was also quite um, impressed with the downtown and a few properties mm-hmm. that we saw there with the views of the Bourges and the fountains. I loved um, in the apartments. I loved the convenience, the gym, the, the swimming pool. Right. We're quite a sporty family, so that okay. was the reason. Well, lovely. Um, what is the last place that you traveled? I've traveled to so many places <laughs> in the last couple of months. Um, so I came from Poland a few days back, okay. and I've been to several countries before that. But I just wanted to tell you one thing, which is still on my mind. I was uh-huh. there in July. That was Hawaii. It was great. Oh, oh I'm sure that must have been uh, that must have been quite something. Um, the three things that you never leave home without. That's a very easy question. Okay. It's a phone. Uh-huh. It's my payment card, and it's my cosmetic bag. Ah, <laughs> right. <laughs> nice and simple. Um, now, if there was someone that you could trade places with for a day, who would that be? I was thinking about um, a similar question for a long time, <laughs> and I had a few people in mind, but finally, I would probably go for a pope. And the reason for that is I really wanted to get access to all the secrets and mysteries that are not revealed (laughs) to the public yet and also have an access to a Vaticano library for one day. Oh, wow. That that does sound exciting. (laughs) All right. And that is it for our quick fire. Uh, So thank you again, Sonia. I do appreciate you joining me. And thank you, Lukman. No worries. Thank you so much. And that is it for another episode of the Luxury Property Show. Now, this is the final episode of the year and technically is the final episode of the Luxury Property Show. We will be back again in 2020 with a brand new name and a new avatar. However, we will continue to showcase luxury living in Dubai and we'll continue to have on some truly fantastic guests talking about all of the exciting things you can do around the city. So stay tuned. And of course, please do follow us on social media. And to view the world's finest homes, visit us on LuxuryProperty.com. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk again next year.